Hey, Hello, boys. and welcome Bad to Pipes Podcast. the Bad Pipes Podcast. It's me, your host, the uh, wise old tree, Andrew Weaver. And it's me, your host, the young, juvenile, immature tree. Scott. Scott. Oh, yeah. Scott I forgot. Sorry, I forgot my name. <laughs> I forgot my name for a second. His name. His name is that. Um... All right, so let's let's run through some news real quick. Uh, here's my favorite piece of news. By the way, this is Bad Pipes, if this is your first episode, because you decided to jump into this episode as your first episode. Uh, basically, we just talk about movies. Uh, we're, we're working through John Carpenter right now, because uh, Scott's uneducated, and this is his education, his film education. Yes. Uh, eventually, yes. he'll get a degree from me. Bad and, Pipes uh, University. It's not an accredited degree, but you know, it's something that maybe I'll make something on Microsoft Word and you can print it out and hang it on your wall and get it like a nice frame for it. Like a nice oak, dark wood, nice like stain it. on it, uh frame. I like it. I'll, it can, I'll sign it too. It can go in the office here with my girlfriend's degree that she got from an accredited university. Yeah. Except this one's worth more because it's from the internet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so not only movies, but we also talk about uh, just kind of the news, gaming news, sometimes tabletop news, and most importantly, um, f- friendship news. Yes, <laughs> the good stuff. I feel like I was just running my dog around outside uh, to get her mm-hmm. to go to the the loo mm-hmm. and uh now i'm just like in in a i'm in a zone i'm in a location you know you're in the zone yeah i'm uh i'm in a like a a, a scanner darkly i'm in a zoner location you know i'm out here zonked that's what i'm saying from running around all right what's our first news what's our what's our right, best first news? news this is my favorite news of the week i wrote down wizards of the coast magic the gathering gets rid of the word tribal because it's offensive so, so all instances of the word tribal on cards will be removed i've heard this before this was this was already some talk that was going on in the magic community and on yeah. twitter before yeah um I know people were asking for it. I didn't know if it was an official thing that they did. Yeah, they've officially done it. Uh, My favorite part was that uh, in the same article where I was reading this, they had Native Americans that were like, offensive to who? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I just find it funny. It's like a... Because, like, tribal was the umbrella term that you would use for, like, oh, I'm running an all-elf deck. It's elf tribal, you know? Yeah. They're replacing it with typal. I'm sorry, they're replacing it with what? Typal. I'm right. I'm running an elf typal deck. Yeah, T-Y-P-A-L. Typal. Um, I think that's worse. That offends me more than tribal does. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say that they don't really care and that they're still going to use tribal. 
Um, yeah. I I don't think there's that many people that actually care about it. Um, and and uh, to be honest, I feel like the majority of people that probably are raising their voices about it are the uh, your typical radlib, like your 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 typical white radlib people who get angry on the behalf of people who don't actually really give a fuck about what's going on. That's a term that I haven't heard used before is Radlib. Yeah, Rad. It, it, I, I get it from watching Hassan a lot because he always makes fun of the fucking it's like ultra left-leaning radical liberals who are like... like I mean, he turns the line there, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's... Yeah, he's like so... He's like so left... To where, like, he's very, like, terminology sees the means like... of production versus, like, the, the red libs are more of, like, the people who, like, want to get, they, they want to get, like, angry or offended on behalf of other people, but then they definitely are just like, yeah, Obama was the best president while he was carpet bombing and drone striking innocent civilians. It's those kinds of people. I mean, he was just writing the check, you know? That's fair. He wasn't uh, the one I don't know. The Xbox I heard. I heard he's a pretty good pilot. I heard he, you know, he gets on those flight sims. <laughs> Does he? I don't know. So he's doing out of these retired. That'd be pretty funny. George though. W takes up painting, and uh, <laughs> Obama does. Obama's running flight, flight sims. sims. God, that'd be pretty good. Uh, so that kind of leads into my next piece of news. Because uh, I was going to joke that that's just Hasbro Watsy chasing that ESG money. But S&P Global, this is actually a couple weeks old, this piece of news, has dropped ESG scores when assessing credit quality of different companies. So that's interesting because ESG scores are, uh, fuck, (laughs) shit, they got, they got words that they stand for and my mind is blank because I was running my dog around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see. So wait, you're saying S&P Global? Yeah. Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance. Also known as Environmental, Social, and Governance is a set of aspects considered when investing in companies that recommends taking environmental issues, social issues, and corporate governance issues into account. Um, so this is what a lot of people in different online communities have been blaming, like the, the, empty personality strong female lead you know uh we're talking like your galadriels from uh rings of power type characters where like yeah she really has no personality other than like i'm angry (laughs) yeah well maybe you shouldn't be so angry don't tell me how to you know that like caricature basically of like a, a character yeah um which is interesting because that news comes a little bit hand in hand with how we'd heard that a bunch of different corporations had dropped their uh what was it diversity and inclusion chief officers or whatever their DEI yeah. officers yep um so that makes me wonder if we're gonna be going back to like more story focused storytelling rather than like 
political pushed agenda type stories. Yeah. You know? So. I don't know. That's pretty much all my, like, quote, political news, though. Uh, in other news, I don't oh. know if you watch this, but Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon coming out on Netflix. The full I trailer did. is released. I did, you watch did watch it? I did watch the trailer. Um, I think it looks pretty good. I honestly, It looks promising. I was more interested in it than I thought it would be. Yeah. Um... Mostly because it seems like it's combining so many aspects of, like, that clean futurism yep. that you kind of get with, like, the Empire and Star Wars mm -hmm. with, like, fantasy-type elements. Like, there's just straight-up griffins flying yeah. around. And that I was going to say that. When you have, like, the, the, the griffins and shit, and, like, like some of the... Some of, like... Uh, I guess, like, tones or, like, the... the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like... Some like the um, like the atmosphere of like or like the settings and like areas that they're in or like that they were showcasing in the trailer definitely had like more of a fantasy feel to them. Yeah, yeah, fully. I mean, watching it, I was getting vibes of like Star Wars, Dune, but also things I didn't really expect to be feeling from it, like Disney's John Carter coming from mm. uh, Burroughs's John Carter of Mars. Yeah, I felt that kind of vibe in there. That like old school fantasy, like sweaty dude with his shirt off and a sword type of vibe. Yeah. Um, it had me interested, if I'm being honest. It is a two yeah. part. So the first part's coming out in December. The second part's, I think, coming out in like February or April. April 19th. Mm -hmm. I remember going, oh, they didn't do 420. Funny. Damn. Um, maybe they wanted to get it out the day before so that people could have <laughs> 420 <laughs> parties for part two. Um, but yeah, so that's actually something I'm kind of looking forward to. We also saw the uh, people have been calling them lightsabers and also not lightsabers. The like magma swords. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I thought they looked pretty cool. I'm interested. Also, I'm, the I'm cast too looked good. Yeah, uh, I think it looked pretty well polished all around. I'm into it. Yeah. Um, more movie news. Blue Beetle came out. Yep. Uh, it was projected to get 28 to 32 million domestic for uh, opening. Came in at 25 million, and I've heard all sorts of excuses for this. Uh, a hurricane hit Los Angeles, and they blamed that for <laughs> for why it didn't make it. I also yeah. heard uh, people claiming that no one wanted to see this. I've heard certain individuals of a certain disposition claiming that people didn't want to watch this movie because it was Latino representation which I thought was just silly because the main kid in it is the kid from Cobra Kai and he's fantastic in that. Yeah. Um, I, if I saw the movie at all, it would have been to see him in a leading role. Yeah. It's kind of sad to see that this is the movie he got and it's on the back end of a whole bunch of different things. You've got like superhero burnout that some people are talking about. You've got just 
DC being a mess. You've got people well, I, I was... dredging up guns comments about Batman from like five years ago. Yeah, well, I was I was gonna say I I feel like I'm getting superhero burnout. There's been so much shit. Oh, I definitely have it. I have like, like no like, interest in watching superhero stuff now. Yeah, I was gonna say it's been a while since I've really wanted to watch. Like, I haven't seen like any, basically like post Endgame. Like, I really have not watched that much. Like, even like Marvel shit. No, I saw uh, the last one. I think we went out of our way to watch was Doctor Strange because of the uh, director. Um, yeah, I didn't even see that one. The, yeah. the newest well, one. The guy that directed it the, is the guy that did the the Evil Dead stuff and also the mm-hmm. the old Spider Man movies. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, nope. Sam Raimi. Oh yeah, Sam Raimi. Sam yeah. Raimi. Good old nope. Sam Raimi. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, I I couldn't care less. I didn't even realize Blue Beetle was already out. I'm, I have no, I, I think it's funny. Like, I, I feel like there's so many movies that people like, like the studios are trying to hype up or do whatever. And they just like keep falling flat over and over and over again. I feel like people just do not fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. Something I like. mean, I think the major arguments against that are like the super Mario brothers movie, Barbie. Yeah. Um, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, which I think, I honestly feel like Oppenheimer was lifted by the meme. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, what other movies have done well this year? Oh, Elemental came back. They left in theaters long enough that it made its money back. Yeah. Uh, I guess it had a pretty big push from, like, people on TikTok, actually, saying that it was worth watching. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I know the um, the Gran Turismo movie came out. Yeah, it's also this week. But a lot of people said that it was pretty good. Um, it's got a it's got a pretty large discrepancy as far as uh, between the critics and the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, the critics were kind of like foo fooing it, whereas audience was like, no, it's pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's got a nice so ver- verified audience has a ninety eight percent. All audience is a ninety five percent. And then you look at like critics, all critics, it's at a sixty three percent. If you do top critics, it's a forty nine percent. Yeah. So the the top critics are the ones really dogging it. Well, and I think their argument is that like, oh, this is a movie we've seen before, like sports, uh, the underdog. Uh, story it's just been done before you know it's like well what do you want (laughs) what do you want from a movie about a kid that won a contest to become an actual driver you know what a video game contest to become an actual driver yeah that's like a real thing that happened (laughs) yeah um yeah uh while we're on (coughs) movies TV shows, whatnot. Yeah. One Piece live action is out. It came out today. Today's the day. I watched the first episode as a One Piece fan who's caught up fully to date on the the anime and manga. I did enjoy it. Thought it was good. 
and it's got really good reviews comp- like compared to the past uh, like live action live action Netflix anime. Yeah. Um, currently sitting at an 81% from critics and a 94% from audience. Um, so pretty pretty good reviews all around. But um, I will say I think it, it I mean it, it really couldn't miss when you had the actual creator of One Piece involved heavily in the production and essentially saying like, hey, if I watch a scene or like I look at the footage and I'm not happy with it, we're going to reshoot till I'm happy with it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big difference from uh, the Cowboy Bebop one because yeah, um, the creator of the Cowboy Bebop one is like, I can't even watch it because that's not my show. <laughs> yeah. Uh Shinichiro Watanabe, is that his name? Uh, I can't remember for Bebop. Yeah, Ichiro Oda was involved heavily in One Piece, so yeah, makes makes sense why it would end up being successful. Yeah, Shinichiro Watanabe is the Cowboy Bebop guy. He also did oh. uh, Samurai Champloo and Blade Runner Blackout was a kind of newer one. Uh, yeah. He's um, most everything I've seen him do is very good. Um, yeah. But yeah, that difference between the creator being like, I can't even watch this, to the other one being like involved in production is, I think, a good sign for the show. Yeah. Well, and it's also cool because like, um, at least I know uh, some of the actors who like like for the show are actually like have read or like watched One Piece before. Um. And kind of are familiar with the source material, which helps. Um, Do you think that yeah. that is a course correction from the Cowboy Bebop live action one? Like, Do you think the audience reception of the Cowboy Bebop one is why this one, it seems like they put more effort into appeasing the fans? Um, I think, I think it could be. I think it's also just like, I think it was more so like, a stipulation of Oda to, to allow Netflix to do this live adaptation was like, I have to be involved. Cause like he, he so much like takes pride in his work. I mean, this is like kind of versus, uh, the creator of Cowboy Bebop. Like you said, he's done Samurai, Samurai Champloo and, uh, he has other works versus like Ichiro Oda. Who's literally only like, he's pretty much only done one piece. Like this has been well, his entire life life's work. Whereas, uh, yeah. Watanabe is an animator. Like he's oh, okay. Animation. That's fair. Yeah, that's also different. Um, so yeah, I but I, I do think it, it could also be a, a course correction. I think definitely when Netflix went into this, they probably made sure they were hiring people who I I, I do feel like the show runners are, are actual fans. Like I feel like they're not just like, hey, who can we? Who, who's some big names that we can they're pay to like run this a, show? the witcher and going this is our opportunity to tell our stories yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it's interesting because they did change a lot um to like kind of condense it and make it more like but definitely making it making it more palatable for like normal people instead of just like people who are absolutely obsessed with the anime and manga yeah um because they definitely condense it down a lot and they change a lot of aspects to it kind of like minor details and stuff Mm -hmm. but i think it really works that's good. That's good. I'm glad that they're uh, making their audience happy then. Yeah. So I like it. I watched the first episode before I watched 
our three main features of the day. Oh, no, no, no. We're not there yet. Oh, no, I know. We're not there yet. We got to talk about Ahsoka. Oh, we got to uh, talk about I have Ahsoka. Not, I have not watched yet. All right. Do you plan on watching it? Yeah. All right. Good. Then in that case, I'll try to stay pretty spoiler free. Mm-hmm. Um, here's just some facts. Uh, Ahsoka's viewership numbers are as low as Andor's numbers. Uh, the major differences, I would say, was that Andor was a very good show, whereas Ahsoka, these also were notes that I wrote for the first two episodes. So the first two episodes came out together, uh, amounted to like an hour 40 in total runtime, probably something closer to like an hour 30 mm-hmm. without the credits. Um, yep. But the viewership was on par with Andor's, which means that it's very low viewership. Um, yeah. And actually, for the first six days, it only had half of the viewership that Kenobi did. Jeez. Um, Samba TV said uh, that for the first weekend it was out, it only got 1.2 million views for episode one. And for episode two only 956,000 views, which means that 300,000 people who watched episode one didn't watch episode two in the first six days that it had been out. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal whenever your numbers are already so low. So that's pretty telling. Like, keep in mind, too, that there's, like, YouTubers who get more than that on YouTube videos talking about yeah. these kinds of things like i think oh. a big name one would be like critical drinker i don't know if you ever watched any of his stuff but he's like a scottish dude and uh yeah. audience score is also lower than the current critic score on rotten tomatoes for ahsoka yeah i mean um, but actually but actually in line with the top critics top critics are at a 74 percent audience at a 75 Oh, look at this. Six days ago, the Critical Drinker put out a video titled, No, Ahsoka Won't Save Star Wars. Uh, (laughs) Six days ago, 1.2 million views. It got as many views... (laughs) It got as many views as the first episode of Ahsoka did on Samba TV. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably watch it, but <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't have my, I don't, I don't have high hopes for it. Just off the rip here, middling writing, stiff performances, inexplicable off-screen character development, uh, lore-breaking character choices. Um, just kind of like top-down for episodes one and two. I was pretty bored for most of it the best parts were the villains obviously ray stevenson the late great uh he was excellent his only performance sorry his performance is the only one that has like any real gravitas or charisma to it yeah um the end of episode one is frustrating because if you watch the trailer for the show you already know that it's a big fucking empty sandwich you know you think you're biting into like bread meat and cheese and then all you have is like two pieces of dry bread (laughs) (laughs) you're just like oh that's not what i wanted um a big part of this 
is lightsabers and how Disney continues to not understand lightsabers. Uh, <laughs> episode starts. A guy gets ran through with a lightsaber, dies. Episode ends. Someone gets ran through with a lightsaber. No dismemberments, just they get run through. Yeah, that's the other thing. No dismemberments. Wow. Um, no dismemberments. I don't know what their issue is because that's like an excellent opportunity for some character building to be like, oh, you lost your hand. Um, now you got to make yeah. do with a prosthetic. Yep. Or like, not even a prosthetic because you have like robot hands that work exactly like human hands in Star Wars. So. And, and look exactly like human hands. Yeah. Um, but like people get run through and then they don't die and like it's not subversive it's just like fully expected at this point like how many characters have we seen get run through if you watch Kenobi uh, Grand Inquisitor gets run through he lives uh, Reba <laughs> Reva, I can't remember yeah. her name she gets ran through like twice doesn't die uh, then you got characters in this show one of them dies because he's an inept New Republic captain and he's a ding dong. So, of course, he's allowed to die within the rules of the show. But then, like, later on. And, in the then, episode, and then you're telling me Qui-Gon Jinn barely gets nicked and he just he goes down. Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, yeah. Um, And then there's a character that's revealed to be a Dathomiri, like a witch of Dathomir. Mm hmm. But she looks totally inconsistent with every other portrayal of, like, Dathomiri witches. Yeah. Which is just frustrating when, like, I've watched all of Rebels. I've watched all of Clone Wars. I know what someone from Dathomir looks like. And then this is just, like, a human with a tattoo. And you're like, what the fuck, man? It's just frustrating. Yeah. Uh, episode three is the one that actually turned my opinion on the show. Um, oh. Yeah. So there's only three episodes out right now. Uh, the first two, after I watched them, I was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, I like the villains because I like Reese Stevenson's character, but I don't know how I feel yet, you know. But there were, like, aspects of it that really frustrated me. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything was just like as bad as Kenobi yet, but then episode three came along and was like, ay, ay, ay. Um, so you get like a Jedi training scene and like tonally something about it just feels wrong to me. Mm -hmm. uh, we can talk about this after you've watched it whenever we get into like actual stuff, but like, the tone of it just feels wrong, and I don't know if it's because of the characters that are involved or what. Um, but then later on in that episode, the villains, there's a space fight, and the villains just make silly choices. Yeah. Like, cartoon type? Like, if it was a cartoon, you would let it fly, because you're like, oh yeah, this is just a silly cartoon show. Like, who cares? But because it's live action, you expect it to be taken more seriously. And it's yeah. not. It's just like a cartoony thing that happens and you you watching it, you're just like, I'm frustrated right now. I'm very frustrated. 
Um, also, the inconsistencies in time for episodes. The first episode was like 50 minutes. Second episode's like 40 minutes. Third episode is like, a, at, after you take the credits off, like 28 minutes maybe. Um, just bad. Yeah. Uh, bad. Oh. But so, um, like I said, episode three was bad. Did not enjoy. Actually turned my opinion of the show. Um, and next week we'll get more into like a spoilery kind of exploration of these episodes. Yeah. Uh, like I, I cannot truly communicate the bitterness and disappointment that episode three left me with. Damn. <laughs> well. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about Ahsoka so far. Now we can talk about the real stuff. There. Uh, all right, John Carpenter. Three, three of his best, apparently, according to I think you, Tom, maybe you or Tom. Well, these are just like the most classically John Carpenter movies, I think. Fair. Okay. We're gonna start. We're gonna do it in order that I watched it, which also happens to be the order in which I liked them least to most. Really? Yes. So I liked Big Trouble in Little China the least. That makes sense. It is the most silly of them. Yeah. Um, it's very tongue-in-cheek. It's very self-aware. You get these, like, exposition yeah. dumps now, followed by now, Kurt Russell just going, what? <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed all three of them. I thought they were all really good movies. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what I didn't like about... I, I don't think there's anything I didn't like about it. I just liked the other ones better. I wonder if you just... Uh, well, we did watch, we did watch uh, Escape from New York and Escape from LA already. So you kind of have a feel for like what John Carpenter does with his yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, Big Trouble in Little China, I think, is the least. Well, maybe not the least, because the thing doesn't really have anything like political in it. But like, Big Trouble in Little China feels very much like a just like off the rip just a a comedy you know yeah yeah no it is very it is very over the top like what the fuck is going on right now because he <laughs> yeah. this, you literally it's okay you just straight up have this trucker who's just like chilling pulls up and like gambles all night with this group in little china has a dude who owes him money, and they just like go off to go get his. Uh, it's his old up, friend Wang. Yeah, they're they're picking up Wang's fiance from the airport, and then yeah. all of a sudden she gets kidnapped, and they're <laughs> like, like, "We got to go track like her a down." Chinese cyber gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the White Tigers or whatever. I think were those the White Tigers? I can't remember. Uh, I think so. I think I think that's who they were. Um, but yeah, so then they're just like, oh yeah, we gotta go save her. And then they like pull up into this alleyway. And then you have like two gangs start fighting each other. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, you have like three magicians show up. <laughs> you got like Mortal Kombat Raiden show up. I, I was gonna say, that's. I, I like the hats. The hats are pretty dope. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, what is happening? These dudes Dude, are just I like could, shooting lightning. I'm gonna say this real quick about John Carpenter. The costuming is always so good oh man. yeah 
like it always like like his freaking tank top that he's wearing kurt russell's tank top that he's wearing mm-hmm. is so freaking cool man i would yeah. love to have one of those yeah um but yeah just like immediately takes you into like the action zone oh yeah and then they're, yeah, they're just like fighting these fucking wizards, and then he runs his truck into uh, into some guy uh, into into Lopan. <laughs> yeah, and, and just goes straight through Lopan. And then yeah, and they're just like yeah, we gotta get the fuck out of here. His truck gets stolen. He's a demon, dude. That's his astral projection. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and they're just like they just basically go into they go into like his fortress or hell or something. They're like they're just like I, I don't know. There was a lot going on there where they like they hop on that that elevator and then they're like Lopan, by the way, played by James Hong, the uh, the guy who's been in just about everything. I like it. Yeah, he's um, great. He's done a ton of voice acting too. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it was just. It, I mean, it was. It was just pretty, pretty wild ride all, all the way through. Like yeah. they're just like they're up in there. They're like in an elevator that starts flooding, and then they're they're just fighting all these wild fucking. I don't even know. Yeah, and I love how Kurt Russell's just like, "What the fuck is going on?" And then Wang is constantly like, "Oh, we're in the hell of people being upside chained upside down and drowned." And you're like, yeah. "What?" Yeah. He's well, like, that's my other thing. The Chinese have a lot of hells. Well, well that was, I'm like, I feel like, I feel like uh, Kurt Russell through the entire movie is just like, "What the fuck is going on?" And all the other characters' answers are just like, "It's just a Chinese thing." <laughs> That's like basically the motto of the movie because I'm pretty sure he, one of the dudes literally says that at one point. Like uh, I think it was I think it was Egg who like says it at one point. It's just like yeah. yeah also, sh- with like there's so many little bits in this movie that like if you're not really paying attention, you just like totally miss them. Like when they're handing out the guns, they like switch the guns around. So like Kurt Russell gets the biggest. He takes the biggest from Wang. Wang takes. <laughs> egg's gun so that egg ends up with the smallest gun <laughs> it's just like a little silent kind of thing that happens as they're like talking about something else <laughs> yeah <laughs> um man or again yeah like people are giving you expedi- exposition and yeah. then kurt russell's just like what the fuck are you it's talking uh about? <laughs> kurt, kurt russell is uh, jack burton jack burton yeah that's his name Pork Chop Express. Just remember what old Jack Burton of the Pork Chop Express says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, His character's funny, too, because it kind of subverts expectation, right? And that, like, you expect Kurt Russell to be the hero, but he gets the shit kicked out of him in just about every fight. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, most I was, of the time, I, he's, like, diddling around with something else while Wang is in the background, like, karate chopping people. Dude, I was going to say, you get into, like, the main fucking fight, and he's, like, shooting his fucking, like, SMG into the roof, and then just gets, like, fucking clocked in the head and knocked out by some rocks that fall down. And I was like, <laughs> like this motherfucker ain't even ready to fight. <laughs> um, yeah. I will say, though, 
I that was like one of my favorite like settings or like scenery is just that like it looks like if you were to just like have build your villain layer in an old eighties mall, like an eighties yes, shopping mall. With the neon like outlining yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I was like, I feel like you're you're like in a shopping mall, but like you transformed it into your like villain hideout. Um oh, yeah. I, I love that. I, I loved it. Um and then you got like the little uh it's oh not beholder. beholder. It looks like a beholder. It looks like a beholder, but what do they call it? Like a spectator or something? Oh yeah, I think it is a spectator. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it's called in D and D as well. Is like yeah, the small beholders or spectators. Beholders, the spectators. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that thing in the, the the one fucking like monster that at the very end pops out of his <laughs> his <laughs> the fucking yellow truck thing. Yeah. You're like, what is this? Why is Bigfoot in this movie? <laughs> yeah, it was like those are like the two like main weird monster creatures that are just like randomly there, and I'm just like, yeah. I'm not gonna question it. I don't know what I don't know what Lopan's doing. Lopan Lopan is just out here trying to live every weeb's dream of marrying two waifus and becoming mortal. Oh yeah, you got your so. Chinese wife and your uh, your American. American <laughs> <wife>. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like they both have green eyes. I must marry them both. Mm, they both pass the test of holding the blade, holding yeah. the naked blade. <laughs> <laughs> the burning, I think it was the burning blade. Yeah, they could have they call it like the naked blade at one point, and then it's like yeah. the burning blade, and you're like, this must be some strange translation. Yeah. You're In that like, yep. moment, I become Kurt Russell. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it was just it was just funny. <laughs> it's just funny all the way through. Yeah. Cause then you try to tell people about it. Cause you're like, it's a pretty fun movie. You should watch it. And they're like, Oh, like what's it about? And then you're like, well, there's this silly guy who thinks he's the hero, but he kind of just gets in the way most of the time. Yeah. And then he rides um, backwards down an entire, uh, corridor in a wheelchair. <laughs> I'm pretty sure fucking at one point and I loved it because it, it made me it, it it did bring me back to uh, escape from LA uh, was like I, there, there's some dialogue in there where he's talking to someone and he just like yeah uh, I could tell you they're not from fucking Cleveland or something and I'm just like <laughs> I'm just like alright fucking Snake Plissken oh hold on if I didn't notice that if they said that in that they definitely have that line and they live as well Oh, I wonder if he just sneaks that line into every movie. Like John Carpenter puts it in every movie. Because uh, uh Roddy Rowdy Piper, he says that to Keith David. Uh, Man. I can tell you it's not from Cleveland. <laughs> what happened uh, in Cleveland? What happened to John Carpenter in Cleveland, Ohio? Yeah, yeah for real. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so at some point, I think he he. Because th- again, I watched all three of these today. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was in this one where they um, where they reference uh, Cleveland. Yeah, I mean they definitely have that line in They Live. Yeah, so I could be thinking of They Live. I'll have to look mm. it up. I'll have to find it. But I'm pretty sure I remember him him. 
pretty sure I remember Kurt Russell saying it because I was like, ah, a little, a little Snake Plissken reference. All right, let's get to the beef though. Uh, what's the they score live? out of ten? Oh, oh, the score out of ten for Big Trouble. Mm-hmm. Oh, seven and a half. I was gonna say I, I want to say like a seven point eight for me. Yeah. Um. Yeah, seven and a half for that one. Because I, I don't feel like it's a solid B, but I definitely don't think it's like a no, solid, no, no. like a regular C. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So then moving on to They Live. They Live. So a movie with the message Hollywood tries to spoon, spoon feed us today. Yes. Yeah. Um, no. So, yeah, it that was, it was interesting. So, like, I went into this. So I'm just like, what what is going on here? Like, it was very, like, it was very you know weird. Just, like, having this. Rowdy Roddy Piper is? No. WWF star from back in the late 80s. So he's the guy playing the main dude. Okay. Um, God, dude, I love him. Uh, Keith David as support, and then the uh, the female, I guess, lead character, I guess, is uh, Meg Foster. Yeah. The brunette with green eyes, I believe they call her, or is it blue eyes? Blue eyes. Yeah, I think blue eyes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, walk me through your experience with this movie. So, like, I started watching it, and I'm just like, okay, this seems very normal for a John Carpenter movie. I was like, you just have this dude who's like, ah, I don't have a job. Let me go find a job or do whatever. So he, like, he's, like, working construction or doing whatever. Then he goes to, like, the little, I guess, homeless encampment. Mm -hmm. And so... Even up to, like, where he's just, like, kind of investigating the church or whatever and then finds the sunglasses and, like, all the nonsense they're doing. I was still like, this is this is very... It's very tame so far. Yeah. Then... You have, like, the cops come through and just start, like, throwing people out. And, and during this time, like, I'm slowly starting to get this, like, okay, it feels like these the, the dude on the TV and like some of these people are like trying to like wake up sheeple I, I was gonna say wokeify this is <laughs> this is this, this is the origin of woke I guarantee it because <laughs> they're all asleep wake gotta wake Away. them up consume um but yeah so you have the police run through and then yeah uh, once you get to the point where he puts on the glasses and he's like starting to see this shit I'm like okay I get what we're doing and I, I thought it was just gonna. I, I still thought it was gonna be pretty serious. Cause like at first he's just he's not seeing the people. He's just like looking at the the ads and just like everything's like obey, consume, fucking, yeah. you know, just just uh, submit and all that. Oh yeah. And then he starts seeing the people, and I'm like, oh yeah, <clears throat> this is where it's this is where we're coming in. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. The alien, the alien things, the aliens from Andromeda. Um. And it feels like such an homage to like 50s, 60s, like black and white sci-fi, you know? It definitely does. Um, and I'll say I'd really appreciate like the uh, the effects, like the or the makeup or whatever they were doing for the. Uh... Yeah, the aliens do look gross in a in a good way. Yeah, and I liked that it was very. Con- it felt very consistent. Like it felt like he had a a, a very unique look for them. Mm-hmm. 
um, that stayed consistent throughout it. Um, yeah. But yeah. It... One of my favorite scenes in this is when... Uh, God, well, first off, this movie is like one of the most quoted movies ever. Like he walks into the bank with the two I was guns about to say. he just took from the the cops that he killed who were aliens. I'm here to ch- I'm here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I and I'm just all out of bubblegum. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I was going to say I heard that and I was like, "Oh, that's this is literally the origin of that fucking saying that everyone uses." Oh yeah. All the fucking time. Had no oh, idea. Yeah. So, glad glad I know that the origin of that now. Yeah. Um But yeah, so like after that happens, and he goes back to the construction site because he's trying to get uh what the heck is keith david's character's name frank frank he's trying yep. to get frank because he's like look man i gotta like he's got his friend the only guy that has been like his friend in this whole place and he's like i gotta help him out of this you know like he has to see reality too okay um, let me just say the fight scene that ensues dude. is the most over the top like i was just about to say it, it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie it's not even over the top it's just like <laughs> I, i'm just like okay you've knocked this motherfucker down just put the sunglasses on him <laughs> and they just keep fighting and he's like he like refuses he just fucking refuses to put the sunglasses on him until like i don't even know at what point was he finally just like yeah i'm gonna put these sunglasses on this motherfucker after the five minute fight because <laughs> i'm like that kept going and going and i'm just like at some point he's just got to put him on and i was like surely the fight's gonna end where like oh, finally like frank gets worn out and frank's funny. just like frank's just like yeah i'm gonna put these on but no he just ends up putting them on frank and i was like why didn't you just do that the first time you knocked his ass out because <laughs> he still had fight in him <laughs> apparently <laughs> if it just feels like oh this is why you got Roddy Piper to do this because this is just like straight wrestling in the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like some old old school like slap down drag out fight, you know. And uh, God, it goes on so long. And there's some hits that look like legit painful. Like yeah, the stuntmen who I assume were doing this. Uh, God, dude, just pl- plopping down on pavement looks so painful. Um, yeah. I was gonna say they did a great job, and then I did notice like I did appreciate like they at least like what was like like some of the like makeup and effects and stuff because like at some point I think you see uh, Frank's like like Frank is like facing away from the camera and like like punching the shit or like like throwing uh a, you know what's the main character's name? What the fuck is his name in the, in the movie? I think it's Nada. It's like N A D A. Really. I didn't know yeah. that. Uh, but he's like throwing him well, on the car, whatever. I don't think ever say it. I think it's just like in the credits. Yeah. As Nada. Huh. You know, that makes sense that I wouldn't know his name. Cause like, I don't think he ever like gives his name to anyone, does he? No. Yeah. Um, but I, I just like appreciated like, like you look at like the back of Frank's head and it's like skint up from like where yeah, I he was like too. being thrown onto like the pavement and shit. So like... <laughs> I do like that they they definitely did did some stuff with the effects there during the this fucking five minute. It it felt like longer than five minutes. It felt like a ten minute fight scene. It's, but there's so much like character in that fight, right? Like yeah, the first time Frank knocks him down, and then he he tries to hit Frank in the nuts, and he's just like, "You dirty motherfucker!" Oh yeah, 
Well, and then and then at one point, I'm pretty sure Frank Frank, Frank has him down. Him. Yeah, he's like he's like kneeing him in the groin like five times. I'm just like, oh my god. Yeah, and you can see that after like the first three, he gets his hands down there and starts defending, but then his face is open. Yeah. Oh man, I dude, I remember the first time I watched that fight, I was like. This is such a long fight, but like every time I've watched that movie since then, I look forward to that scene. And every time I'm watching it, I'm just like cackling to myself like a little fucking demon boy. Like, oh yeah, I, I was, I was literally laughing. Like, I started laughing because, like, at first I'm just like, okay, it's a fight scene, and I'm watching it, and I'm watching it, and then it's just like it's still going. And at some point, I just start laughing to myself because I'm just like, this is so absurd. Like, this is the longest fight yeah. scene I've seen. Like by movie. the time they get to the point where he like picks up the two by four and then Frank picks up the bottle and then like he fucking knocks the window out and then is like, yeah. oh shit, like my bad, sorry. And then Frank goes to like break the bottle and it just like shatters, shatters. Yeah. and he's like and he starts laughing and then you're like, Oh, they're gonna reconcile. Okay, good. <laughs> God. And then they beat each other up for like another <laughs> minute. <laughs> well, and it was also like uh uh, Nada or whatever was down and Frank like gives him a hand to get up and they just start beating the shit out of him again and I'm just like oh my god <laughs> yeah this uh, just goes to show you like the these two guys are like built to get along right and it's that message of like uh, camaraderie within the working man you know yeah. like that that fight in itself is like a microcosm of when you go to work with dudes that you really like and you're like oh you know and you do like ball breaking type shit you know where you're like oh yeah. old lady mad at you again <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh your girlfriend packed your lunch mm. oh sweet baby boy guy's lunch you know just nonsense like that but like it it, it Again, to return to my actual point there, it's it's in microcosm the idea of like the working man, you know, the people who've been pushed down by society actually getting along, right? Because the movie opens with a newscaster who's like, racial tensions are at an all-time high. But then yeah. you see this white dude and a black dude who are like, they're doing the same stuff. They get along, they're friendly with each other, they're living in the same horrible situation. And like... That's as true now as it was then. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think it's it, the actual like whole message of the movie is very interesting because it's it, it it definitely feels ahead of its time in that it's it's very much like yeah you uh, I think it's only gotten worse so even back then it, it was still prevalent but like it's gotten worse where we live in this oligarchical society where these billion this billionaire class and these the, the, you know the, the wealthy class just run everything. Um, I mean, yeah, I fully agree. Like, what make what sets this movie above just being like a '50s homage sci-fi movie is that like the message is what really sells it. Like, it's class warfare, not racial or gender-based discrepancies that's tearing society apart right now. Yeah, yep. like it's it's not black and white people not getting along. It's the fact that the divide between the poorest people in our country and the wealthiest people in our country is becoming yeah. so vast. Well, and so that, vast. 
that that wealthy ruling class is also doing everything they can to continue to keep the yep. you know yeah. everyone else down so like they're Manipulating like in, to create infighting among the proles you know yeah and, and that's i mean in this case in the movie it's literally they're they have a fucking satellite that's just like broadcasting a signal to keep everyone effectively brainwashed yeah <clears throat> so yeah this movie hit me like really hard in that way this most recent time watching it i think probably because i just went on like a six month job search you know where yeah you've got like the media telling you like oh people don't like young people just don't want to work and then you hear other things like oh people are having hard times hiring and you're like dude where who because i put applications in fucking everywhere yeah um so yeah like that hit me pretty hard <clears throat> um meg foster as the female character in this um smart intelligent mm -hmm. her turn in the end is like it's not on a dime because you see the situation that she was living in and you're like oh she's really well off yeah and then she like turns around and like kind of is the only villain right yeah apart from like the the aliens right but the aliens don't have like a single character like they mm -hmm. are an oppressive force and they're meant to be portrayed she, as an oppressive force he's really the only one that you can kind of like uh, yeah uh, i mean she betrayed him and uh he kind of subverts his own expectations right because typically what he does is he introduces a female love interest mm -hmm. and you get to know them for like three minutes and right at the moment where you're like oh Maybe they're going to have a little romance. That's usually when he kills them off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in Escape from New York, you got the one girl he meets in like the cafe or whatever. And then they, I think dudes just start ripping up out of the floor, right? And like pull her down into the floor. Yeah. Yeah. And she's gone. Just gone. Yep. And then you got the, <laughs> and then in Escape from LA, you've got the, uh, the girl that he meets outside of the plastic surgeon. And then they escape and they get yep. back together. And then they have this like heartwarming little talk. And then she just gets gunned down by like a uh, young, I think they're supposed to be like Korean or Chinese uh, LA gangsters, right? Mm. Just doing a drive by. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, she's gone. So in this movie, whenever they go to the secret meeting and they find out like, oh, there's a lot more of us than I thought they were, he then immediately is like, nope. <laughs> police kick in and then they do the fucking like napoleonic wars two-tier firing system and just blow everyone away yeah and you see her in that scene and you're like oh no they're fucking he's murdering her in this scene but no she gets away yeah and then you learn that's because she's a bad girl yep yeah no i mean overall also really enjoyed this movie um, I will give it. What will I give it? I'm gonna give it an eight. I'm gonna go a little bit higher. Yeah. I'm gonna go nine. Nine. Yeah. Nice. I think this would always make it in my top 100 movies. Hell yeah. Yeah, I I'd say probably me too. I, I did really enjoy it. And very relevant to even modern day. 
Well, I was like to circle back around to that first thing I said. It's a movie with the message Hollywood tries to spoon feed us today, right? But it's done yeah. in a smart and intelligent way. Yeah. But it doesn't sacrifice the fun. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, nope, really enjoyed it. Now Eight out of ten. Back around to our boy Kurt Russell, the thing. We are the thing. Um. You know what? I said I think I like this one the best. I actually, now that we talked about it, I think I actually do like. I think I do like They Live More. Well, it's funny because they're very different uh, genres. Yeah. Um, like the yeah. It's just a good example of a horror movie. I, I was about to say The Thing is the first one that was like very serious, not at all comical, like kind of like a horror movie. Um, so yeah. yeah. Cause I don't know if uh, we've talked about this, but John Carpenter, um, he does do horror. I think more often than he does things like big trouble in little China or escape from LA, which I think are more in the vein of comedies than they are. I think he does action comedy movies when he when he thinks it's funny, right? Yeah. I think more typically he does horror movies. Yeah. Uh, so The Thing is actually the first movie in a loose trilogy. I think people call it like the Armageddon trilogy or something like uh, that. Oh, okay. Um, but it's The Thing and then... Ah, oh, shoot. I can't remember what the second one is. But then the last one is The Mouth of Madness, mm -hmm. uh, which has Sam... What's his name in it? Sam, what's his name? Sam Neill. Oh, okay. The guy from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and it's actually, it's based off of uh, that, like The Thing, are both kind of loosely based off Lovecraftian Lovecraft stories. Uh, I was going to say, so um, it, it's very clear. Uh, Prince of Darkness is the second one. Prince of Darkness, that's right. And I think people typically say that that one is like the maybe not worth watching it out of the three. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, de it definitely felt very eldritch, very like cosmic horror. Yeah. Because uh, obviously, like you, you, it, the the whole thing is prefaced with like this UFO or whatever <laughs> falling to Earth, which clearly has the thing upon it, and that's where it, where it comes from. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was very. I, I, I liked the movie because it was very tense. Uh, yeah, it's very atmospheric. Yeah, because it's very it's very clear. Like they're, they're very quickly, like the seeds of uh, like paranoia. Yeah, paranoia and distrust are are sowed very quickly. Yeah. Um. Because like, and you get a lot of like interesting character development before the dog even runs up to the camp. Like, you got mm -hmm. McCready, who is Kurt Russell in this movie. 
He's yep. playing chess against the computer. And so you get this idea of like, oh, he's like a calculating guy. And then the computer like beats him and he just pours his whiskey in the fucking motherboard. Yeah. So you're like, oh, he's a temperamental guy. But the chess yeah. game kind of foreshadows the whole movie, right? Yeah. You've got this game of chess where you're trying to figure out the moves that the other one's making. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, burns it all down. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it's highly atmospheric. Like, you got that looming sense of dread the whole time. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the the effects in this one were very good. Oh, yeah. Um, like, uh, all of the, like, the extra, the, the thing, whenever it appears, like, whenever yeah. we're seeing this, like, I, I just love, I mean, it's, it's completely gruesome, grotesque, just like abominations of, of people and animals that yeah, it like creates. Tentacles and shit coming out and you're like, yee. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I really, I, I think that that's one of my favorite I mean, actually, even even before you see the thing, they take that trip to the Norwegian camp, and in the camp, there's that, like, everything's burned out and frozen over because it's in Antarctica. Uh, But you got that scene where they're walking through, and you see the guy that, like, slit his wrist and cut his throat, and the blood has frozen from his veins down to the floor. Like, that's a haunting scene right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. Like, his use of lighting in this movie is fantastic. Like, yeah, I was going to say that happens in the dark where you're like, oh, no, what was that? You know? (laughs) Yeah. No, it definitely has that dark, dark, moody atmosphere to it. Yeah. Um, I feel like they use a lot of like the blue lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything Blue around come in a lot, yeah. Yeah. Here's um, a question: The dog's acting. Is the dog the best actor? Is the dog the best actor? Yes, <laughs> the dog is the best actor. I struggle to say that the dog's acting wasn't fantastic because that dog had such like otherworldly discipline. Oh yeah. Yeah, now I'm thinking about it. That, that that dog's acting was fantastic. Um, yeah, I really, I don't know. I like like the power struggle that was going on. Obviously, yeah. you have uh, Childs and uh, Childs, uh, Ma- Ma- dude with a flamethrower. Yep, with with McCready, like they're kind of. It seems like they are the main power struggle there. Um, between both of them, like like as far as like trying to lead or. You know, figure shit out. Um, which is interesting that it, it ends with both of them being the, uh, you know, the final two there. Mm-hmm. Which obviously I, I do appreciate. I, I think I appreciate that they left it open. You know, that John Carpenter left it open ended there with oh, uh, Childs, by the way, played by Keith David, who was also in They Childs, Live. Childs, yeah. So you got him in They Live, and then you got Kurt, Kurt Russell in Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, I love how he uses a lot of the same actors. Yeah, I mean, like I, 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 it's very clear Kurt Russell is a favorite. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like kind of how the ending was very open-ended. Of like, okay, is the thing dead? Is it Childs? Is it? Is it McCready? Maybe. Yeah. 
And if you go on YouTube and you're like, who is the thing in the thing? You'll get so many videos. Oh, I'm sure. So many videos of people being like, actually, it's this person because blah, 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 blah. And you're like, why did I click this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man. And like every time you start to feel like you're about to figure it out, something happens that upends it. Yeah. Right? So like the blood test. Mm-hmm. You're dead certain it's one of them. And then like a dude you didn't expect it to be. Yeah. Boom. And you're like, whoa. Which then like makes other things in context make more sense. You're like, oh, that's why what's his name found the fucking shredded up underwear in the kitchen trash can. Because it was that dude first. <laughs> yeah. man that blood testing is that that one did catch like uh, i was not expecting that that thing to like pop up like that yeah and then i love when it's like growing and like pushing the fucking uh couch up into the air and the other two guys that are tied down are like (laughs) oh yeah the fuck out (laughs) that's pretty good yeah And then everyone, like, when McCready comes back at first and someone's like, yo, I found fucking McCready's clothes stuffed up his, his oil furnace. And everyone's like, oh, fuck, it's McCready. And then he comes back in and he's just got, like, dynamite and a road flare. And he's like, you motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> I will blow this whole fucking place up. Kill every fucking one of us. <laughs> yeah. Um. Fuck. Yeah. No, I, I liked it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's not as much to talk about with this one because it's not like so over the top. It's just a very well done horror movie. Yeah, it's just solid. very, very suspenseful, very tense. Like you're, 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 you are constantly thinking like, okay, who the fuck could it be? Um, like who's infected? Yeah. Even on rewatches, you're kind of like, you're looking for those hints. Mm-hmm. And like you'll catch more things as like the more times you watch something, like anything else, but. Uh, like yeah. the revelation that the the dog keeper guy wasn't mm-hmm. a thing like that's a big table flip kind of moment where you're like fuck I would have fucking sworn it was him but then you're like oh uh, what's his name Blair I think mm-hmm. uh, Blair goes fucking juggernaut just starts smashing shit up with an axe and you're like yeah. Oh, he was sowing seeds of doubt. Okay. I got it. Nice. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of that. I mean, it makes sense, too, because he was, like, elbow deep almost in that corpse, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, that does, that does <clears throat> make sense there. Hmm. I, w- I do like that John Carpenter apparently likes little monsters that are like heads running around and flying around. Oh yeah, that that one was that was probably like the the, the, the kind of creepiest part. There was uh, stretches itself off of the neck and then like yeah. sprouts legs and starts skittering away, and you're like, oh, that's 
That's I hate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was watching that one. I was like, oh god. Yeah. The thing. What score out of ten? I'm going to give it. You know what? I think I'm gonna put it with Big Trouble. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Mm. I'll give this one an eight and a half because I do think that is a good example of like what a horror movie should be. Yeah. Which is like, you need some paranoia, you need some dread, you need that like darkness going on. Yeah. Well, I think it. I think it's good too. It it definitely has some rewatchability because like you can watch it and like, I feel like catch things or like try to pay attention to other things that are going on. Yeah. Like certain characters that you're probably not paying attention to in certain go-throughs. Like characters that are typically throwaway characters in other movies, like the kitchen crew, mm -hmm. are actually pretty important in this. Like, I can't yeah. remember what the black kid's name is, but he's like, his introduction is him like skating down the hallway, right? And you're like, oh, yeah. this guy's going to die for sure. <laughs> but he's one of the, you know, final guys, you know? Yep. Ah, uh, fuck. What was his name? I can't remember. Was it like Nils or something like that? Uh, I honestly don't remember. I was trying to remember what was on his, like, uh, what they labeled his fucking Petri dish with. So they had, like, one for each person. Nulls. N-A-U-L-S. Nulls. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> yeah. Solid movie. Uh, yeah, I liked, like I said, I liked all three. Yeah. I kind of wonder now what you would think of, like, what is it, In the Mouth of Madness? Because that one's uh, also in the vein of, like, Lovecraftian kind of horror, but it's very much... I don't know. Like, yeah. it, it's not like the thing where there's, like, a monster and they're trying to figure out what the monster is doing, you know? Yeah. No, I am intrigued. I do kind of want to watch those. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that about wraps up this week. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to decide what we're going to do for next week. I mean, I, I think I will watch some of Ahsoka. Yeah. Just yeah, so we can do that. Yeah, there will be four episodes out by next week. Um, okay. So we can do a little spoilery kind of review and talk about some of the decisions that they made. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that. And I think we had mentioned before about continuing with Kurt Russell movies. Did you want to watch like Tombstone and Stargate? Yeah, we can do those. All right. Because that's like two very different genres. You got one like sci-fi and one Western. So, right. Tombstone and Stargate are on my list. <laughs> yeah. So All right. We'll so we'll watch this. those for next week. Uh, until then, music has been by Carl Casey at White Bad Audio. Subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe to our Patreon. You know what? Next week, I think we'll also talk Baldur's Gate since I've played it with you and Tom. We'll see if we can get Tom uh, next yeah. week. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that. 
Yeah. Because that'll probably be a big argument. <laughs> <laughs> um, subscribe to the Patreon. Join that ramen tier. Buy our uh, merch. We don't have any merch. But you can tell us you love us on social media. Or at the email, which is cryptworksofficial at gmail.com. Cryptid like the fucking spooky monsters and shit on the internet. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Good night. I love you. Bye.